Listener Production. In this briefing, we explain the City Point Christian College debacle. Right as the students go back to this Brisbane school this week, it's at the centre of a huge controversy over a contract that condemned homosexuality and said the school wouldn't acknowledge trans students. So since that contract was made public, there's been a really big social media backlash and then the mainstream media picked it up with intense coverage. The Pentecostal Prime Minister weighed in and criticised the contract and then the school backed down and withdrew the contract and over the weekend, the principal stepped aside. So, so much has happened. In this episode, we're going to explain how this unfolded, whether the school actually regrets the values behind the contract and what this means for the students turning up to the school this week. In this episode of The Briefing, we're going to speak to a parent with two stepsons starting at City Point College this week. They've made their position very clear that this is what they believe. It's not going to change. So I think the culture there is well and truly set. That is our briefing right after today's headlines. I'm Tom Tilley. And I'm Katrina Blowers. And it is Tuesday, the 8th of February. The end of Fortress Australia is less than two weeks away. Yeah, pretty exciting. The Prime Minister announced our international borders will completely reopen on the 21st of February. There is one caveat, though. You must be double vaccinated to come to Australia. That's the rule. Everyone is expected to abide by it. Scott Morrison there. It is hugely welcome news to the tourism sector, which has so far lost uh, $102 billion because of the pandemic. Although Tourism and Transport Forum Chief Executive Margie Osmond says this is just the start. There's a whole lot of different uh, issues that need to be addressed, everything from aviation capacity to what's happening with cruise ships. Of course, Western Australia will still be the hardest place to get to outside of China. Um, (laughs) The Prime Minister also announced yesterday that 1,700 troops will be deployed to help with staff shortages in aged care. Yeah, so specialist teams of 50 will head to the four worst affected states of New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland and South Australia first up. There'll be nurses and also support teams who will help screen visitors, give meals and offer companionship. And the boss of Spotify says they'll be standing by Joe Rogan. Spotify Chief Executive Daniel Ek has issued a memo to staff saying he does not believe that silencing Joe is the answer, despite calling Rogan's use of racial slurs incredibly hurtful. Yeah, as we reported yesterday, Rogan deleted more than 70 previous episodes over the weekend and he apologised profusely for historical uses of the N-word and this all came right after the Neil Young COVID misinformation controversy. Daniel Eck also said he was deeply sorry for the impact the controversy was having on Spotify's workforce, probably their share price too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in that statement um, to staff, he, he also said, while I strongly condemn what Joe has said and I agree with his decision to remove past episodes from our platform, I realise some will want more. And then later said, but cancelling voices is a slippery slope. I cannot imagine the tension inside Spotify right now. It's a young, progressive Mm, workforce, so this would really be grating up against a lot of people's personal points of view. Yeah, well, a lot of them are worried about signing Joe Rogan in the first place. Mm. And I guess they'd argue that their fears have been realised. (laughs) 
know that is not the worst bagpipe convention you have ever been to. That is the sound people living in the Canadian city of Ottawa have had to deal with for the past 10 days due to a convoy of truckers who are protesting vaccine mandates. I mean, that would be intense, but everyone just hearing it in their headphones on the briefing was probably just as bad. (laughs) (laughs) So these trucks have brought Ottawa to a standstill with vehicles and tents blocking major roads, and it's become so unbearable the Ottawa has had to declare a state of emergency. The situation at this point is completely out of control. Clearly, we're outnumbered and um, we're losing this battle right now. We have to get our city back. That's the Mayor Jim Watson there. So police are going to step up enforcement, including possible arrests of those who are seeking to aid the protesters by bringing them supplies like fuel, toilet paper and food. The Freedom Convoy, as it's called, was sparked by the introduction of a new rule that all truckers must be vaccinated to cross the US-Canada border, although it's now become a much broader protest about all pandemic restrictions. And the Canadian protesters inspired a similar but smaller convoy to Canberra. They started arriving last week and by Saturday there were more than 2,000 protesters on the streets. It's believed more people have turned up as the sitting week gets underway in Parliament. So far they've gathered outside Parliament House, Old Parliament House, Um, They've held up traffic near the War Memorial and they've protested outside the ABC studios too on Northbourne Avenue. They've also been breaching mask and check-in rules at venues around the capital, which is, I imagine, Katrina, and you'll know this having grown up there, is normally a fairly compliant community. Oh, indeed. It it definitely is. But uh, uh, it's an easy place to hold up traffic because there are so many roundabouts on which you can gather. And the French president is in Moscow trying to stop war in Ukraine. He's going with certain ideas to find possible options for diffusing tensions in Europe. And he intends to share these ideas with Putin. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov there, translation from the BBC. Uh, Emmanuel Macron is the highest level Western leader to visit Russia since it began amassing troops on the Ukraine border. Meanwhile, the US is warning a Russian attack could happen at any moment. We believe that there is a very distinct possibility that Vladimir Putin will order an attack on Ukraine. Uh, It could take a number of different forms. It could happen as soon as tomorrow or it could take some weeks yet. That's the U.S. National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan. So far, the U.S. has deployed 3,000 troops to Eastern Europe. Yeah, i got to say it was a pretty intense sight watching the news last night to see an American uh, aircraft carrier landing in Eastern Europe and a bunch of American troops walking off onto the tarmac. And the boss of the IOC, Thomas Bach, met with Chinese tennis star Peng Shui over the weekend. Uh, She's reportedly urging fans not to worry about her. Yeah, she's claimed that there's been a misunderstanding over her social media post and that she'd never suffered uh, a sexual assault. And she's deleted that post since. After the meeting with Thomas Buck, the IOC released a statement that did not address Pung's sexual assault accusations or the possibility of Buck pressing for an investigation of her claims. Yeah, it said that um, Pung Shui was attending Winter Olympic events, though. The 36-year-old also gave an interview to a French newspaper, uh, Le Quip, uh, where she said she's going to retire from tennis. So, yeah, I mean, we're hearing that... The situation was not as alarming as it sounded that she disappeared after making those Mm. allegations, but I think people still want to see her in an unscripted moment, you know, some some footage or 
back on the tennis court, but, you know, she's 36, so maybe the retirement narrative is legitimate. Yeah, but it still doesn't stack up. And the fact that this French newspaper had to submit all their questions in advance, there was a Chinese Olympic official in the room translating her answers. It still seems a little bit off to me. All right, in a moment, the City Point College scandal. So let's explain how the City Point Christian College contract controversy exploded. So just over a week ago, City Point Christian College in Brisbane, it's a school of around 1,700 students, it emailed a contract to parents asking them to sign it, which said the college will only enrol the student on the basis of the gender that corresponds to their biological sex. It also said that homosexuality is sinful and compared it to bestiality, incest and pedophilia. So that contract became public and there was a really big backlash from current students who are gay and trans as well as former students, including some pretty high profile ones like Brisbane's Lord Mayor. He now sends his own kids to that school and said he would not be signing the contract. Yeah, and Scott Morrison even said that he wouldn't want to do that either. I don't support that. Mm. Um, I mean, my kids go to a Christian school here in Sydney and I wouldn't want my school doing that either. So it came also at a bad time for Morrison's religious discrimination bill, which is struggling to get through his own party room. He was pressured to commit to protections in the Sex Discrimination Act to get support for that religious discrimination bill. Then on last Thursday, the school decided to withdraw the contract. And then on the weekend, the school's principal, Pastor Brian Mulheron, announced that he'd be stepping aside. In an email to parents, he said that he was stepping away to reflect on the events and give the school time to heal. Someone who put this issue on the radar for many people is comedian Christian Hull. He started a campaign and shared a petition which has since gathered nearly 150,000 signatures. Christian, thanks for joining us. You're not known as someone who campaigns on social issues. What was your connection to the City Point scandal and why did you get involved? Social activism is uh, not something I've really ever entered into. It's been an incredibly full-on week. I really have no solid connection other than being um, openly gay myself and taking issues with the language within a contract. I went to a a Catholic school in Sydney. It was nothing like this. It was a great school. It lived by its Christian values. I was raised a Christian. I'm no longer a Christian. Religion is not something that is part of my life. But where I took issue was with its the contract's language. I think when I went into this, the the plan was to highlight the contract, put some public pressure, hope that the media would pick it up, and the school would, in fact, rewrite its contract and come out with a statement. And I hoped the principal, Brian, would be fired. Now, we achieved a little bit of that. They pulled the contract. The principal stepped aside. He hasn't been let go. He'll definitely be back. And ultimately what's happened is the school's gone, oh, whoops, the religious discrimination bill isn't actually in law yet. Let's just pull this. Let's put Brian aside. Let's wait for that bill to pass. And then we will come back with the exact same language. Brian will be reinstated and everything will go ahead as normal. Right. So you don't think there's any genuine change in position at the school, really, when it comes to the underlying values that they want to enforce? Absolutely none. I think they staunchly live by the Bible and they say that and they're very open about it. And they've they've said that, you know, that's their practice for the last 40 years. Well, which part of the Bible? Some parts of the Bible are about treating people equally 
acting with love and forgiveness and that charity is, is above all other values. And some parts of the Bible say that if you work on the Sabbath, you're put to death. <laughs> so it's like they're picking and choosing what they want. Mm. And what this whole thing is, is it's very hard to get the church to change. Obviously, over the last, you know, 2,000 years, laws have come in. It's no longer okay to murder people on a Sunday. And what's happening now and what's happened in the last, you know, five years is the LGBTQI plus community has made a lot of change legally. And I think the church doesn't like the fact that it can't discriminate against homosexuality and gender identity. And it's still trying to, and they don't like that it's illegal now. Basically, this religious discrimination bill will allow them to. That was comedian Christian Hull. Now, I think, Katrina, probably the most important question here is the most obvious. What about the children? Yeah, so uh, also the, the parents of those kids. Natalie Pohl has two stepsons starting school at City Point College this week. We spoke to her yesterday right as they were about to start their first day there. Natalie, what's this been like for you and your family? The last week has definitely been very stressful and emotional for um, our entire family. We were definitely not expecting the last week of the um, kids' school holidays to be anything other than relaxing and getting everybody ready to um, head back into the school year. And it's just turned into really a giant mess of emotions ranging from anger to sadness to disbelief and a lot of confusion for the children in our family too. Describe for us your family situation and why this particular issue strikes so close to your heart. We are a blended family. Um, My husband has two children, 12 and 8, and I have two children, 15 and 13. My husband's children are due to start at City Point um, this year. My two children, my eldest um, is pansexual and is currently dating a female. And my 13-year-old came out as trans female to male in September last year. So for us, this is extremely emotional and trying to have two children attending a school that we thought was going to be in their best interests academically, now essentially being pitted against their step-siblings in our beliefs and morals. So it's very difficult for the way that our family, um, I guess our blended family at the moment. So were your stepkids going to that school for its Christian values as well as its academic prowess? No, so being a blended family, we have to consider the boys' mother and their other family in terms of the school that we chose for the boys. You know, being a blended family, we have to consider the location of both houses and for us, City Point was in the middle. So we were out of catchment for all state high schools and given the distance between our home and the mother's home, we needed a bus system it left us eligible for two schools. Both of those were Christian schools. In terms of being Christian schools, the boys are being raised Christians, um, in particular by their mother. My husband was also raised Christian, so that was not an issue for us. And I guess when we looked at City Point, um, we knew that it had Christian values. However, we were absolutely in no way aware of how extreme or divisive they were. Otherwise, we certainly um, would have looked at other options, not that there were many open to us. 
The college has since come out and said that it deeply regrets that those contracts have made mm. students feel discriminated <laughs> against. The The principal mm. has stood aside, not, um, mm-hmm. he hasn't left that role, but he has stood That's aside. Right. So how are you feeling now? Yes, they say that they deeply <laughs> regret the contract, however, still firmly stand by those Christian beliefs. And um, I actually watched City Point's sermon yesterday and the behaviour and the words that were coming out at that sermon yesterday were so deeply upsetting and disturbing. You know, the pastor that spoke came out and the first thing he said was, you know, City Point is no longer Brisbane's best kept secret and people cheered and clapped and then he later in his um, speech, he went on to say that Pastor Mulharan was one of the kindest people on planet Earth and an extended standing ovation was given to that comment. That congregation is in complete support of that contract that came out. You can't say that you deeply regret the hurt and then in the next breath say that you stand by those Christian values and are going to continue working with the INC to rewrite them in a more palatable way. That's a complete contradiction. It makes no sense. They've made their position very clear that this is what they believe. It's not going to change. So I think the culture there is well and truly set. Wow. So you feel like that hardline worldview is deeply held by the people in control of that school. What about the parents? Where do you think the range of opinions lie? Is there a a large proportion of the parents that would support this worldview? I think they're quite clearly from watching um, yesterday's um, church session, absolutely there are a large number of parents. But I have met and continue to talk with um, a number of parents who are attending um, that school or who have in the last week pulled their children out of that school who are not of that view. They are absolutely Christian in their values of love and support and acceptance of all people and do not understand how any faith built on God's word and love for all people could possibly take this stance against some of our most vulnerable community members. I know that this is a complicated conversation and it involves more than just you and your husband, but have you had that discussion about pulling your stepsons out of the school? We absolutely have. We are deeply, deeply concerned about what they will be taught. My husband is a family psychotherapist and has for the last, you know, 12, 13 years worked with members of these communities and not only children but adults who have gone through these educational institutions and have come out as part of the LGBTQ community and he sees even adults the trauma that these teachings have caused and are still trying to undo into adulthood um, and the families that it has torn apart. So we understand that even though the boys do not identify as part of this community now, that they may 
later in life. And even if they don't, these divisive teachings do nothing to support healthy communities who come together and support everyone regardless of their their faith why should we be teaching such (laughs) divisive lessons when we could be teaching our children to come together and share their lived experiences and be accepting and loving of all i just don't understand it that was natalie pole who has two stepkids starting school at city point college in brisbane this week and i think we're all feeling so much sympathy for those children who are caught up in this controversy Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, kids wearing their uniform as they take the bus and feeling, I guess, the the fallout from this scandal. Um, On on the broader issue, I I think Scott Morrison was already struggling to get this religious discrimination bill through the party room, Tom. And um, there were always going to be some loopholes within that bill that could be exploited. Yeah, well, how do you justify a bill that's basically trying to protect the freedoms of groups like City Point, when they're coming out with a contract like this, which is so divisive and hurtful. So yeah, you can see why it's going to make it a really hard sell to get that bill through the party room and why you're already seeing um, coalition MPs threatening to cross the floor on it. Tomorrow on The Briefing, Denmark is taking a very interesting turn in the pandemic. What can we learn from them? Listener.